Welcome to the Stress Nanny Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller, and I'm delighted that you're here. Today is an Ask the Stress Nanny episode, and I'm going to cover a topic that I get asked about quite a bit. It is, can mindfulness help my child sleep? And the answer is yes, it can. And I'm going to give you a few ways that it can support your efforts to help your children go to sleep or fall back asleep. Um, One is simply the act of calming the nervous system before bed. So when the nervous system is kind of ramped up or you have that nervous energy, if you have kids who are scared of bedtime or scared of the dark and they kind of know it's coming and start to get a little bit anxious, having a mindfulness practice in place can be a great way to settle down their nervous system and prepare the body to relax for sleep. One of the little ones that I worked with, when I gave her a breathing chart, she had her little two-minute breathing chart right before bed, and after the first couple of days, she came out and told her parents, I like breathing for the prizes, but what I really like is that I'm not scared before bed anymore. Um, And so for her, it was ancillary. She didn't realize that mindfulness was going to help her settle down before going to sleep, but she made that breathing a part of her bedtime routine. And so she was able to get herself into a position where she could relax and settle into bed without the level of fear and anxiety that she was accustomed to. And she noticed that. So it's kind of fun to see when little kids can start to recognize the benefits of their practice. So that's one way, by helping kids not be nervous before bedtime and not be scared if they're scared of the dark or scared of being alone, whatever it is. Another way is if kids wake up in the night and are worried about going back to sleep or if they have a hard time going to sleep. I've helped several parents with this as well, where if if your child is having a hard time settling down, and like that tends to spiral and escalate itself, right? So if if they're already stressed about not being able to go to sleep or fall asleep, the tendency to kind of spin off and become even more stressed about that, um, that's usually what happens. And so in this instance, one of the ways you can look at it is by helping your child just attune to the present. And in that instance, what's happening is the, the child's getting stuck in a thought, Right. Uh, the thought is, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. And then that thought is perpetuating more stress in the nervous system, uh, which is then escalating the thought to like an even greater degree. So then it's more prominent and there's more fear and more anxiety around it and more stress about not being able to sleep. And it just is a pattern that tends to perpetuate itself. And this happens with thoughts in general for most of us. If it's, if we resist a thought, oftentimes it, it ends up sticking with us um, with even more gusto. And so for little kids who are stressed about falling asleep and then get thought, get stuck in that thought cycle, there are a couple of things we can do. One is to teach them about the thought river, right? This idea that you can watch your thoughts like you'd watch things float down a river And that's just one of the thoughts in your thought river. What are some of the other thoughts in your thought river right now? And at first it takes kids some time to recognize some other thoughts because when that thought is so scary and predominant about not being able to fall asleep and it's stressing them out, it's a little bit hard to kind of wiggle it to the side and um, create space for awareness to point to other thoughts. But inevitably other thoughts will come. So you can maybe ask what other things are rolling around in their head. What else did they do today? What is something they're looking forward to tomorrow? How do the sheets feel? 
And so that's the second kind of thing. The first one is to kind of talk them through the process of watching the thought. The second thing is to help them attune to their senses in that moment. So when you're going to bed and you're stuck in your brain, and adults, we do this too. When we're stuck in our head, it's easy for our energy to lift, right? And then we can kind of get the cortisol running through our body when we think about all the things we have to do tomorrow or when we start to um, yeah, think about what we did or didn't get done during the day or how this interaction bothered us. or And kids will do the same thing where they can get stuck in this um, cortisol spiral where they're just getting themselves more and more worked up. And so when we are in that space, after we try to just let the thought go, the way to kind of bring ourselves back down is to tune to our senses in that moment. So we think about how the sheets feel if our head is um, on a soft or a more uh, firm pillow. We can see how our pajamas feel on our skin. We can notice anything that we're hearing, especially sounds that remind you that it's night and that that's when the body is ready for sleep. So whether it's crickets or whether it's the hum of a fan or a diffuser, what are the things that kind of signal that it's nighttime and time to sleep? We can feel like our toes under the covers or in the socks, whatever is the preference. We can notice the air on our skin. You can feel the temperature. I know in our house, sometimes that's all we need actually is to draw our attention to the temperature because my daughter sleeps hot like she cannot be too hot when she goes to sleep so when she was little there would be so many times I'd be like why is she not going to sleep and I'd have her in like those footy pajamas or um you know like a long sleeve pajama set and she just it's too hot for her she's uncomfortable and restless and she can't go to sleep so if something like that comes up during your mindful minute before bed that's a good time to make a change and just notice oh this is actually not conducive to me going to sleep it has nothing to do with my brain it's just more that my body is not comfortable enough right now to go to sleep. So the emphasis then shifts from this idea of like watching the thoughts and letting the thoughts be the primary thing that determines whether or not we can go to sleep and moving it into the body, into the senses and allowing the body to, to signal to us that it's time to rest and allowing relaxation to become part of that moment instead of that hyper brain activity that tends to accompany stressful thoughts. So we, we can draw our kids' attention to their bodily experience and invite them into that space of calm and steadiness. And whether you continue with that exercise and take them to noticing their heartbeat, to their breath, Sometimes we ask kids to, you know, count sheep or think, think, think. And frequently thinking is not actually what we need right before we're going to bed. <laughs> Sometimes it's the last thing we need before we're going to bed. And so inviting kids to really just be mindful about what they're sensing in that moment can be a useful exercise 
And it can kind of settle them into that space where they welcome sleep in a different way. And the body can invite sleep different than the mind, right? Like the body might be genuinely tired and it's the mind that's kind of awake. And so moving from like using mindfulness to move from this space of of high brain activity back into the body and just grounding into the experience of the moment, um, it can often do wonders for kids who are trying to go to sleep. So those are my tips on using mindfulness to go to sleep. Hopefully, if you have a practice in your home, you can, you know, use it to your benefit in those moments. And it's important to remember, like I always say, that cultivating a mindfulness practice is a good habit to have before you try to use it in a problematic situation. So I wouldn't recommend just jumping in the next time your child is having trouble sleeping and saying, you know what, it's time, let's try some mindfulness. Because without practice, it's liable to feel kind of forced and it might invite them like into a more combative relationship with mindfulness. I've seen that happen too. So, you know, practicing like sensory perception at a time when they're calm, um, like maybe when you're snuggling, reading a book and you point out like, oh, how do your pajamas feel right now? Oh, how do you know how your hair smells really pretty. Can you smell that right now? Or whatever it is, but starting those practices um, in a time before you need them. So reach out in the um, in Instagram or reach out to me in general if you want to chat more about this or want some more specific ideas for a little one. But I would encourage you to use like the breathing practice um, before before things are dicey at bedtime, you know, like when everybody's calm and it's fun and maybe after you just read a book, that's the time to introduce it. Not the time when you have a child who's in tears because they're scared to go to bed. So just keep that in mind too, that these tools are really effective for sleep. Uh, It's also super important that you deploy them at the appropriate time in order for the child to feel successful and also for them to be effective. Because when we strengthen those neural pathways in the brain that connect us to our prefrontal cortex, which is what we're doing with mindfulness, we are um, literally creating those synaptic connections as we practice. And so asking a child to just come up with something and be able to use mindfulness in the thick of a hard moment isn't fair because we haven't taught them how to make that connection in their brain yet. So start with something little, start with something fun, and then gradually build up and so that the tools are available to you and they're familiar to your child. And then that's when you use them at a time when you really need them. So I hope that helps. Until next time.